Thanks for tuning in to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. You're listening to an interview with Rebecca McCutcheon called Preparing for Postpartum Depression. For today's show notes, transcript, and more information about your Newborn Promise project, please visit GrahamBlanchard.com. Well, welcome to the Newborn Promise Podcast. I'm Audra Haney, and today we are tackling postpartum depression. Motherhood, no doubt, can bring on a tsunami of change, and with it, wave after wave of emotions, excitement, anticipation, contemplation, weariness, and many others. But most expecting moms don't think about the possibility of depression. However, the reality is that according to the CDC, one in nine moms will experience postpartum depression. Former social worker and mental health counselor, now turned full-time mom, Rebecca McCutcheon joins us today to share her personal experience with postpartum depression. We think you'll appreciate how she dealt with it head-on and some of these incredibly practical tips she has for expecting moms to tuck away in case postpartum hits your family after baby. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. Let's start by having you share about your first pregnancy. Give us a quick testimony of what that experience was like for you. Sure. Um, so with my first pregnancy, it came as a total surprise. Um, we were originally told by doctors that it would kind of be impossible to get pregnant, um, because I had, um, cysts on my ovaries and was dealing with some medical things at the time. So we were just totally caught off guard with that pregnancy and just overjoyed and, um, just really just in total awe of, of God and his ability to, to open my womb in that way in that time. And your son's name is Isaac. Tell us a bit about that decision. Yeah, so his name is Isaac, um, and it means laughter. And um, we got the Bible, and it was when I found out I was pregnant with him, that was my response is I just just started laughing. And um, I hadn't even had um, a menstrual cycle for two years before um, we conceived him. So it was just totally kind of out of nowhere. And I did laugh because I was just in shock and in awe of God and his goodness. What were some of your ideas or expectations when it came to adding a baby to the family at that time? I think I was just sort of in a place where I think most new parents are of just total naivety and not really knowing what to expect. Um, I definitely, because my personality is more of um, a perfectionist and a student by nature. I went and read a lot of books and um, kind of thought that that would be enough to prepare me for motherhood. And I think I also naively thought that, you know, my baby wouldn't be the baby who's crying and losing control in a grocery store. And, you know, my my baby would would essentially be a product of how much I prepared. Yes, I'm laughing over here because I'm remembering all of my highlighted baby books on sleep, and it definitely didn't work out the way that I planned. So for you, as you were planning and dreaming, was postpartum depression something that was on your radar before Isaac? Um, It wasn't. It really wasn't. Um, I had struggled with depression and anxiety kind of 
on and off throughout my adult life, um, especially in college. Um, but at the time of being pregnant with Isaac, I was just so, so overjoyed with that experience um, that it really wasn't on my radar. Um, and I kind of, I wrongfully associated it with um, a mom wanting to hurt her baby. So I just, I kind of put that out of my head. That was, that's what I thought it was. And then I just sort of moved on and did not think it, it would apply to me or um, when I was experiencing symptoms, I didn't connect it with that. And tell me about meeting Isaac and those first few moments of being a mom. Was it everything you imagined? Yeah, um, it really, it really was. It was, it was everything that I had hoped it would have been. And it was just so much more. Um, I was really, I went into the the labor and delivery experience just totally open. Um, and I was at a really neat place with God. I feel like during that experience, if there could be like a storybook version of labor and delivery, that's what it was. So it was just a really emotional high for me. And I think it just, that emotional high which is such a stark contrast to the months that were to follow. Yeah. And tell me about the transition into motherhood. As you got into those first few days and months, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um, so the first two weeks, I think I was still kind of um, riding off of that emotional high of, oh my goodness, like God met me in this really wonderful place and the baby's here and he's perfect. And he was really sleepy and quiet. And um, my mom lived with us for two weeks and she's such a huge support to me. So I, I felt really surrounded by love. My husband was off work for a while. Um, so those first two weeks were like, just, just an, an emotional high is really the only way I can describe it of just everything felt right. I had the support and love I needed. I had my sweet little sleepy baby, um, and then after two weeks, it just seems like that all kind of all crumbled away. You know, my mom had to go back home and my husband had to go back to work. And then all of a sudden, my sweet, calm baby started losing his mind. Um, and he was later diagnosed with colic and acid reflux, but he was just totally inconsolable. Um, he didn't sleep. And he just, I mean, he, he was a really, really hard baby. Um, we couldn't leave the house um, because the, the car seat caused too much pressure on his little organs and made everything worse. So we were really confined to the house during that time. Um, and it really just, I felt like motherhood was really just crashing, crashing down on me all at once. Rebecca, what kind of thoughts were running through your mind as you tried to process some of these hard aspects of motherhood? I just felt, I felt totally responsible for what was happening. I felt like his, what appeared to be life dissatisfaction, I felt like was totally connected to my ability to mother him. Um, I felt like such a huge failure. Like, you know, I thought I had prepared for this. I read all the books. I have all the best stuff for you. And like, nothing is working. Um, and it's just such to be, to have your baby not respond to you in those moments. Like I couldn't even comfort him. And that was just, it was heartbreaking. And also to me confirmed, I think this deep belief that I was, I was feeling at, at the most important job I ever had, you know, like I put so much into this 
this was it. This was the the culmination of who I was supposed to be, the mother to this child. And um, he was confirming for me this just really negative belief system that I had. And how did that spill over into marriage? That's a lot to carry around. So how did that play out in your relationship with Matt? Yeah, I think, um, unfortunately, I, I kept a lot of it in. Um, and I really wanted, I still wanted to show him that I was doing a good job in trying. Um, so I didn't really, um, I didn't really let, let on to, to what was going on. I feel like internally, um, I took a lot of the, the brunt with the, the nighttime screaming and, um, I would stay awake with Isaac and that sort of thing. and really tried to shelter Matt from that, um, and yeah, I think I really just wasn't honest, totally honest with, with what I was feeling in my heart. And then I wasn't totally honest with him. Um, although the whole time he was very affirming, um, and just a huge support always has been, but I wasn't, I don't even know if I could have vocalized at the time what I was feeling. Did you have any idea that this might be postpartum depression? You know, it can be a big, scary word to wrap our minds around if we haven't been through it. So did it ever occur to you that this is what you were experiencing? Um, not at the time. So I was really still caught up in the fact that that he, that Isaac, um, with the colic and the reflux, it just, that that kind of consumed me. Like, just trying to help him, trying to fix it, trying to make it better, Um that I really didn't realize something was not right with me until about five months postpartum. Um, and that's when Isaac, that's kind of when the colic um, was sort of lifted off of him. He was eating better, sleeping better. He was starting to smile for the first time. Um, and so things were getting better with him. And I think that's when I realized, Oh, something's not right with me. <laughs> um, I stopped sleeping. That was the first indication that something wasn't right. Were there any other red flags or symptoms on top of those things that you've already mentioned? Yeah, I think um, like the mind racing, I felt a lot of anxiety throughout the day. Um, Just a lot of, I was kind of trapped in like just this negative thought loop. Um, But yet I still tried to push, push through that and appear to have it together and appear to have, you know, the perfect situation going on. And my house was always kept really clean. And, um, I was even hosting a Bible study in my house during that time and, um, really wanted to have it together. But, um, but inside I was just crumbling, like the ability to, to do simple tasks became really hard. A big part of it was due to the fact that I I truly was not sleeping at night um, I averaged like two to four hours most nights and then other nights I just wouldn't sleep at all. Um, and I would just stay awake watching the clock and just feeling, feeling afraid, worrying for my baby, um, just worrying that I wasn't sleeping. And I, I really attribute it to, oh, well, my baby didn't sleep for five months. My body must, must just be off. My body's not responding now. My body got used to not sleeping. And I really, I focused all my attention on that symptom of not sleeping. And how can I solve this now rather than going big picture and maybe more looking at my heart and really being honest with how I was 
feeling and doing in motherhood. I'm sure that felt so heavy. And Rebecca, do you feel like you carried around a lot of false spiritual shame because of that? I wrongfully attribute it to um, God is punishing me. There's some area in my life, spiritually speaking, that I'm not doing or performing well enough in, or there's some deep sin in my heart, and this is why this is happening. So I think I kind of got... I think I over-spiritualized what was going on and sort of muddled it with the torture I was feeling in my brain. And I don't know if that makes sense, but I really, I think I, I kind of turned it into something it wasn't um, in that area. Mm, That's so hard. And when did you realize I need to get some help and how did you begin to take steps to get that support? So at this point, um, between like five and nine months postpartum, I still wasn't, I still didn't think postpartum depression. And I still, that still wasn't even on my mind because I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not thinking about hurting my baby. So that's not, that's not it. And I really became obsessed with this idea of I'm not sleeping and that's what needs to be fixed. And so I, I started, I did go get help. I went to a counselor actually, um, and I saw her for maybe a month or more. And sadly, she never picked up on the postpartum um, depression, postpartum anxiety thing. She didn't see any of that. Um, and and, it, and I, now, I now know it's because she just wasn't trained in that area. Um, so she really, she kind of dove into areas of my past and kind of brought up things from childhood um, where she thought she was doing good, but now looking looking back in hindsight, I know that that was that was actually not what should have been happening at that time. Um, so yeah, that was I was so I was trying in my own way, in my own knowledge to to reach out to people, and and I did say I'm not sleeping. I need help with this, and um, so realized you know that counseling the, the counseling wasn't helping. It was actually making it much worse because now I would lay awake at night thinking about things from my childhood that I had already forgiven my mom for or something, but that I was coming back to the surface again. Um, and I went to, I went to a midwife actually, and I went to my primary care physician. I also went to a, a natural doctor during this time period and all with the same complaint. I'm not sleeping at night. Um, and so they all focused on that of how to treat that. Um, and it still wasn't helping, um, I finally was prescribed a really heavy dose of sleeping pills. Um, and this was around nine months postpartum um, because again, that's the only symptom, maybe the only symptom I really could recognize or something, but um, that's what I would lead with. And so then that's what they would try to assist me with. So um, when I was given the, the sleeping pills, I had to make the decision to stop breastfeeding my son. Um, and that was, that was traumatic um, all over again um, because that was one of the only areas that I still felt confident in with him. Um, and it was one of the only areas that brought peace and um, something I felt like I was good at. So to have that be taken away from me, um, it just felt like another um, confirmation that I was feeling at this. I was feeling him. I was feeling myself. And um I mean, none of that's true, but those were the lies that I was, I was believing at that time. 
You're listening to the Newborn Promise Podcast. I'm Audra Haney, and we're talking with Rebecca McCutcheon about her experience with postpartum depression. We asked Rebecca how she finally got help and how she faced her depression head on. After I I weaned my son um, and just kind of went through that physical and emotional just torture, um, I think I kind of fell into like even, even deeper depression. Um, and I think that's kind of when the anxiety sort of turned into this, this ugly monster of depression. Um, and I began having thoughts of self-harm, um, and just was in just a very deep, dark place. Um, and it was one, it was one time in the middle of the night, I think this was around 11 months postpartum, um, by this point. And so middle of the night, just really crying out to the Lord. And I often did at night, um, just crying. And usually it was, you know, Lord, help me sleep. Like, why is my body broken? Why can't I sleep? Why? Like just focusing, obsessing over this one area where this time my prayer was a little different. It was just, you know, Lord, just help me. Like, I can't do this anymore. I just felt really broken in a different way. Um, and I just started Googling as I did a lot too for answers. And I just, I think I maybe changed some of the the search terms I was using. Um, and it just came up with, with a checklist for postpartum depression. And I thought, okay, I'll give this, I'll give this a look, you know? And, um, and by that point, um, at 11 months postpartum, I could pretty much check off everything on the list. Um, and it just was just kind of this, like, the scale fell off my eyes and I could see finally like, Oh my goodness, this is what I've been dealing with this whole time. And, um, so I felt a lot of freedom in that, um, a lot of anger toward all the professionals that I had had seen previously that had not picked up on it. Um, and then thankfully at the bottom of the checklist, it was, it was produced by, um, the hope clinic here in Nashville, um, which is a, um, a women's wellness uh, crisis pregnancy center. So at the bottom of the checklist, there was a phone number I could call. So the next day I did call and I made an appointment and was seen immediately. Um, and within two weeks of getting the right treatment, I began healing. Um, it was really, it was really quite incredible how quickly um, my mind and my body and my spirit responded to the appropriate treatment for what I was dealing with. I think your story is so eye-opening because many think of the stereotypical postpartum depression as just one of those first few weeks or months right after baby. And I think it's really interesting that it can be longer and perhaps something that builds upon itself. Tell me some ways that postpartum may not fit the typical picture that many have in their minds. Yeah, I think it wasn't wasn't the stereotype um, because I had had a really good, well, I thought I thought I was kind of immune to it because I had a really good birth experience. And I know a lot of times postpartum depression can, can arise out of a negative birth experience. Um, and I also had a really good first two weeks. And a lot of times it's an initial feeling of anxiety and depression. And I felt like mine just kind of built upon itself. Um, and it just it got worse and worse and worse. Um, so in that sense, it didn't seem, it didn't seem typical. Um, but now 
now as I've learned more about it, it, it can, it can even happen a year or two after you've had your baby. So it really, it, it has no time limit and it's, and it can affect anyone too. You know, that was the biggest thing I, I could take away from this is, so it, it can be anyone and it's, it doesn't look the same for everyone. Um, if you've, if you've given birth, you're at risk for it. That's such great information to know. And you mentioned some of the counseling approaches that were not as helpful. Tell me, what were some of the approaches or practices at Hope Clinic that really helped make a difference? Yeah. Um, well, they just, I mean, they, they had the specific training in postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, which I soon realized was really important for healing. Um, it really focused just more on the immediate situation and kind of like, how can we get you back up on your feet as quickly as we can? Like it's, it wasn't necessary to dive into hurt from my childhood or other things. It was just really important to get me back on my feet and help me to enjoy caring for my baby again. Um, so one of the things they did, they, they helped me get off the sleeping, the sleeping pills that I was on because that was just kind of a, a temporary bandaid. Um, and by this point I had become pretty addicted to them and they were causing other (laughs) symptoms, um, just really other negative symptoms. So they, I worked with, um, with a nurse practitioner there who helped me wean off of those. And then she also prescribed, um, a low dose antidepressant. Um, so I feel like that, that helped kind of lift that initial fog, um, and just allowed me to be more receptive to the counseling, um, that was being done. Um, a lot of it was just, um, and the counselor was a mother. So I really appreciated just, her approach, um, and sensitivity to what I was going through. Um, it was really, it was about just setting my expectations appropriately. At least for me, that was a big, big area I was struggling in just having appropriate expectations for myself, um, for my baby, for my husband, um, just for motherhood in general, and really just being honest with how I was feeling in the moment and, being okay with things not being perfect. That was a a really big, big part of it as well. And let's go back to that negative self-talk you mentioned earlier, the script in your mind that said you were failing or you weren't a good mom. How did you begin to rewrite that script and what did that sound like? A lot of it really was centered around expectations um, and just really the allowance for for failure, um, and just to be okay with that and to learn to be honest with, with myself, with God, and then be honest with other people. I'd really, um, I'd really kind of set up this wall around me during that time. Um, so a big part of it was just being honest with my other, with my friends who were mothers as well. Um, and then meeting in a place of, of honesty. Oh, wow. You feel that way too. Like this isn't fun every day and it's okay to say that. And, um, just, yeah, just really breaking, breaking those walls down, um, 
to a place of, of authenticity. And after Isaac, you had two beautiful twin boys, and that it was an amazing faith journey again. They really have a unique story. Tell us briefly about that. Yeah, so between between Isaac and the twins, um, we actually had a miscarriage, um, and we were well into our second um, trimester, so it was kind of, we were really surprised by that. Um, so we found out we were pregnant with the twins, um, just totally to God's glory at this, like the same week that we would have been due with, with the baby that we had lost. So it was a really kind of, wow. Um, had we had that, that baby, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been pregnant with these, these twins. So it was a really interesting way to see how God orchestrated that and, and really made beauty out of a, out of a painful situation. Um, so yeah, we found out we were pregnant with, with the twins. Um, and then very soon after that, we found out, oh, wow, this is a really rare type of twin pregnancy. And there's only a a 50% um, survival rate. Um, so because they, they shared the same sac and, um, shared a placenta and, um, their cords were just in there tangling up the whole time. So it was a really, it was a really high risk pregnancy. Um, it required, um, two to three ultrasounds a week. Um, and then I had to, to go inpatient. Um, I went in around 26 weeks. Um, so yeah. And you have two beautiful baby boys now, which is just incredible. And I think one of the things that is so interesting about your story is that you struggled with postpartum depression with Isaac, but not the twins. Talk to me about the noticeable differences now that you've had the two different experiences. Yeah, I think the main difference is, um, so normal is, I mean, and there is a period of, of baby blues, typically after a woman gives birth. And I think that's just where the hormones are kind of resettling where they need to be. Um, so that's totally normal to be a little extra weepy and um, maybe feel some anxiety the first um, couple weeks, but then it's, it, it kind of, it lifts, it goes away. And so the difference for me is that it, it never went away. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's such an adjustment into motherhood. Um, so I think that the main difference is just this looming, either looming darkness of depression, the looming um, anxiety, irritability that just never leaves. And you wake up with it and it's there, you go to bed and it's still there. Um, and I think I think that's the main the main difference that I could see between the two pregnancies. Rebecca, how would you encourage expecting moms? What practical tips would you give them before they enter into this new season of motherhood? Yeah, I think um, I mean, unfortunately, this it's just not something that gets talked about enough. Um, the you know the postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, so I would I would say just just be aware of it. Really, really consider it. Um, consider your mental health and just the importance of um, of your mental health and, and how that just affects your whole family. That really, if you're not in the right place, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, it's 
it's going to, it's going to have a rippling effect. Um, and, and with my, with my second, with the twin pregnancy, um, I was just, I was all over the, the mental health area. I mean, that was, that was a big focus of mine going into, or in that pregnancy. And then, um, right after I had the babies of just kind of, just kind of ready for it. Like I felt, I felt armed and like, just ready to take it down. <laughs> if, if I, if I saw any signs, I was going to jump on it. Um, and I had made an appointment with, um, a psychiatrist, um, when I was pregnant and, and met and talked with them and made a game plan for if this, if I see symptoms, what am I going to do? Um, because I wanted so desperately for that experience to be different. Um, and I knew I, I had a lot at stake. I had a two year old and I was bringing home premature twins. And I thought, you know, I, this ship can't, this ship can't sink this time. Um, so I did not leave the hospital after I had the babies. I did not leave the hospital without a prescription in my hand for, um, an antidepressant medication that, that I knew if, if I started seeing symptoms, I was going to go, go fill that prescription kind of a thing. And I just had no pride in that at all. It was just very, this is what it is. This is about the survival of myself, my family. Like I, I need to, I need to take care of this. This isn't, this is, this is okay. And this is, it is not my fault if, if I, if symptoms start arising again, um, so yeah, I would say to expectant moms just to be really, really diligent and just give that, give that some focus when you're planning for your new baby and reading books about sleep training and the buying the best equipment, really sit with yourself for a little bit and, um, just kind of make a plan and, um, just kind of maybe review things that typically set you off. You know, we all have them, things that, that might send us kind of into not good play headspace and um, just kind of just spend some time in that. And if you need to, um, you know, talk with, talk with your um, provider and um, just kind of let them know that that's an area that you are, that you're wanting to, to focus on a little bit more. And in addition to that, what would you say to husbands, family, or friends who may eventually need to support someone experiencing postpartum? What advice do you have for them? Um, yeah, I would just encourage them to, um, you know, be, just become aware of the the signs and symptoms of it and just really, really be honest. I don't think I had anyone during that time period and it's not any fault of their own. They didn't know that that's what I was experiencing, but I, I definitely didn't have anyone mention that to me. You know, even the providers I, I saw during that period, nobody said, I think this is postpartum depression. Um, but I think if, if, if you're concerned that, that someone, you know, is experiencing that, I would say, just say those words just say that out loud and um, putting a name to it kind of releases the grip that it can have around someone just sharing the list of symptoms and just being honest with it this you know suggesting this may be what you're experiencing right now I mean that that in itself could could be the turning point I mean that's what it was for me is really just sitting with reading it hearing it and oh wow this is me um, 
could really bring a lot of freedom to them. Um, granted, that is a, a tender, a tender topic, especially to a new mom. Um, but yeah, I would say just just be open with that, and um, and then walk with them, helping them out of it, um, getting the help that they need. I really, really recommend. You know, it, it needs to be treated by a professional ultimately. Um, so helping them locate. Um, someone that can can effectively treat it. Someone that has had training in postpartum depression and anxiety um, is is I I believe that's key to healing. Thank you so much, Rebecca. You've shared so many valuable things today. Would you mind praying for expecting or new moms who may be experiencing postpartum depression or may face it in the future? Please just close out our time, blessing them and lifting them up. Sure, dear Heavenly Father. Lord, um, we just thank you, God, that you you are in control, that you are above above all of this, that you are in all of this, that you will see us through all of this, Lord. Um, motherhood can be such a, a lonely, scary time um, for so many of us, God. And um, I just thank you that you are that you are ever present, Lord, and that you have that you have our best interest in mind. That you have the best interest of our, our children in mind, Lord. Um, and ultimately you want more, more out of this experience for us, God. And, and we thank you for that. Um, Lord, I pray for, for the, the woman right now who is listening and maybe identifying with some of these areas, God. Um, I just pray God that you will, you will hold her tight, Lord, and um, that you will bring, that you will bring healing into her life, Lord. And, um, I just pray for a sense of hope, God, that she will feel hope, um, that there can be newness of life um, on the other side of this, Lord, um, and that, you know, that th- there's a, a greater a greater purpose for all of this, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. Please join us next week as Carissa Kolar shares about her journey with infertility. Remember, you can get today's show notes, transcript, and more information at grahamblanchard.com.